Alright, Acts chapter 5. We're, believe it or not, I'm only going to do three verses tonight. Um, I'm going to break out this Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16 into two different sermons. Because really, simply put, um, tonight's sermon should be very short. I know I've said that in the past and I've betrayed you. Um, but tonight, there's just basically one principle that I want to pull out. And I want to set it out in front of you to think about, to struggle with, and, and hopefully to work through tonight with the Holy Spirit. Because what we've seen in, in, in all of the, the verses before, over the, the last several weeks, is, is one thing, is that God cares about His church. He will protect His church. And He will bless His church. <coughs> he, he, Jesus, whenever He appeared to the, the, uh, the apostles, and He said, you'll receive power. I'm not going to just leave you hanging with the mission that you can't accomplish on your own. I care enough about what I want you to accomplish that I'm not going to leave you with any insufficiency whatsoever. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and He will be your power to do the things that I've asked you to do. So God cares about His church. God will protect His church. We, we saw that um, two weeks ago with Sapphire and Ananias. That we had, we had two individuals who were among the church and, and they came and they brought an offering uh, with, with a, a deceitful heart. They, they were self-seeking. Um, they, they wanted the, the recognition of, of seeming generous and they lied to God, they lied to the church, and God protected the purity and the unity of the church. God protected His name and His reputation by removing those people in a very public way out of the midst of the church. And God will bless His church. And we're going to see that tonight. When the church is, is behaving in such a way that the rest of the world sees us for who we really say we are, then that's going to be blessed. So let's look at verse 12, 13, and 14 tonight. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people praised them highly. Believers were added to... Uh, Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, crowds of both men and women. So guys, here's the basic thing that, that we should be seeing here. Is that when the church is behaving the way the church should behave, not only will we not have to worry about the infiltration of, of hypocrites, okay, people who are there to make it a social club or people who are there with their own agenda. You know, when the church sets, sets boundaries and, and, and lives up to those boundaries and, and is devoted to the Word of God and, and behaving in such a way that glorifies God, what you'll see is what we see in this Scripture. Okay? So, let's look first at verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. Okay? Just a few verses before this, we see Sapphire and Ananias both killed by God. They dropped dead due to their lie. God 
exacts punishment and judgment because of their lie. And, and, and that, that would have, don't you think that would have spread around people? People were, you know, busybodies and gossips back then just like they are today. News gets around. Okay? And so, by common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade. Okay, so you you got to understand the picture here. This is the Jewish temple. This is the synagogue. This is the the social epicenter of their civilization. This is where everybody went. I mean, I mean the the market was there, you know, in in the temple courts where you bought the the doves and the goats and, and the different things to offer sacrifices. It wasn't just Jewish people either. It would have been it would have been Gentiles. It would have been Romans. It would have been all different people around because because this was the place to be. And so what they did is they had this Solomon's colonnade, this this kind of um, gathering place in a corner to where tens of thousands of people. That's how big it is. Tens of thousands of people would cram in to Solomon's colonnade and they would have worship in a Jewish temple. And it says here that none of the rest dared join them, but the people praised them highly. Who are the rest? None of the rest dared to join them. Well, of course, that means non-believers. The non-believers, they, they didn't even dare appear to be like the Christians. Why do you think that is? Don't you think that they would have had Ananias and Sapphira on their minds? It was dangerous. It was dangerous to join this movement to become a part of this church with the wrong motivation. It could cost you your life, apparently. That, that the purity of the church was so much that, that, they did, that the outsiders, they didn't dare join with them until they became believers. And, and what it says there is that the believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, crowds, both men and women. I think there's something in there that's really worth thinking about, uncovering, and unpacking for us tonight. See, I don't know if you know this, but not everybody who comes to our church is a believer. I don't know if you know this, but not everybody who serves in ministry around the world are true believers. Not everyone who teaches Sunday school is a true believer. Not everyone who's on the mission field is a true believer. If you talk to a lot of guys, they'll tell you that, that one of the largest issues, one of the largest problems with the way the church is worldwide today is that it's so soft on certain issues of sin and, and righteousness that anybody can be comfortable. I had a conversation with a lady last night, and, and she goes to a church here in Jackson, and, and we had a difference of opinions because she was talking about how, how their church is, is set on reaching the lost. Well, so are we. So am I. We, we want to reach the lost. And she said, we want people to be able to come into our, our doors and into our church and feel welcome and be invited and, and, and feel like they're wanted there. You know, we, we want sinners to come to our church, people who are lost to come to our church and, and feel welcome and feel like they, 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 they should be there. We want them there. And I said, absolutely, we do too. And she said, and we want them to feel as comfortable as possible. And I said, no. 
No, we don't want we don't want people to be comfortable if they're lost, if they if they don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want them to be able to sit under the instruction of the gospel and be comfortable. It shouldn't be as any surprise to us that we have people and this church is no different than most every other church in the United States who attend church regularly for decades, lifetimes and fit right in and they come and they are assimilated and they look like everyone else but they've never made a public profession of faith, never even been baptized as a believer. And there's something wrong with that. See, this first century church saw this scandalous movement, this dangerous movement as something not to mess with. And this, this church, these leaders, this, this, this congregation of people would not tolerate the infiltration. They dealt with it. God dealt with it. Sin was dealt with. It was called what it is. The scary thing about all of this is, is that today, today it seems that oftentimes some of the most genuine lost people, some of the most sincere lost people want nothing to do with the church because they don't want to be seen as hypocrites. While we have, and this isn't everybody, I'm not trying to generalize every Christian, but I'm just saying we should examine ourselves. We should understand that just because we're here doesn't mean that we're okay for eternity. Just because you've been raised in this church, just because you've grown up in this church, doesn't mean that on the day Christ returns to separate the wheats from the tares, you might not, you might not find yourself in the category you always thought you were in. Because we have, by and large, lost a fear for the for the the, the God of this church. We have we have lost a, not not a not a respect, not a reverence, but a holy fear that this God is my Creator and and He is my sustainer and He is the one who gives me life. And at any moment, without warning, without cause, He can choose to take me. You see that, that the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We see Old Testament individuals, when they came into an encounter with the presence of God, they fell on their face like dead men and said things like, Woe is me, I am an unclean man. I have come undone. Literally translated, I'm going to die because He knows what I've done. They feared Him. Guys, the world outside should not only respect us and esteem us by the way we collectively behave and, and, and conduct our Christianity. I mean, we should be respected. There should, not be a, there, there should be no charge against this church. There should be no charge against this youth ministry. And, and, and here's what we have to understand. Just like the first century church understood, they just didn't carry their name. I mean, when they were joined to the Lord Jesus, they carried His name. 
They walked around with His name, His reputation. And not only that, but they, they spoke for everyone else in that church for their actions. Their actions told a story about the other people they were joined to. And, and, and there was such a purity, there was such an accountability, there was such a, a reverence and a fear for God that the outsiders looked at it and they said, we, we, we think that's great. We like watching. We'll be spectators. This is awesome. But you know what? We don't want to touch it until we know we're right. We don't want to touch it. We don't want to get too close because we don't know if our hearts are pure enough. But here's the thing. This is why church membership is so important because it literally separates those who have made a, a, a profession of faith to belong, to be attached to that body, and those who have come to merely just be spectators. You know, the spectators weren't told to stop watching. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't kicked out of Solomon's colonnade. They, they weren't, they weren't, uh, the gospel wasn't withheld from them. Obviously it wasn't because believers were added to the Lord in increasing, num increasing numbers and crowds of both men and women were being added. So, so the gospel was being preached and lost people, lost people were, were hearing it and they were coming to believe and then they were coming to attach it. And that's when the gospel is preached in purity and whenever, whenever the gospel is laid out there for what it is, then people will come, people will believe it. When we live the gospel, when we are, are unified with the scripture and the way we live our lives and the things that we say and the, the people that we're with and the, the places that we go and the stuff that we spend our time doing, then, then people are going to see that, that it's, worth, it's worth getting on board with. So the people were being added. It wasn't like it was, it was this, this cult to where you know it was us and them and we didn't want them to belong to us. No, they were preaching the gospel so that everybody could hear it so the people could be invited by the Holy Spirit to join. See, there was something, and I know that I haven't adequately uncovered it tonight, but there was something about the, the reputation, the, the name of the church, the, the atmosphere to where they dare not join with it under false pretense. They dare not say, well, I'm just going to be a part of that church so that I can, you know, you know, whatever. It was dangerous. Let alone the fact that God had struck down two of its members for lying. Persecution was ramping up. The apostles had already been arrested. They had already been threatened. And in the following verses, we're going to see that, that there's some more arrests, and there's more threats, and there's more punishments for, for, for believing in the name of Jesus. And so tonight, I told you this was going to be short, tonight I just want us to think about that. I want to think about what is our motivation for being here? Are you one of the, the true believers who comes to church whether it's tonight or Sunday, you come to church out of a sincere heart, out of a desire to love God, out of, a, out of a desire to belong to His body and to be in relationship with godly people and to be held accountable and, and, and to, to support and encourage one another and, and to hear the gospel so you, so you can share the gospel and, and to, to live your life for God. Or are you one of the spectators? who merely comes because you know some people who are there, you know, um, we, we go on trips, we, we you know, have a band or we play basketball. I mean, what, why are you here? 
That's a good question to ask yourself. Why are you here? And then, when you answer that question, well, well, I'm here because I want to know God. I'm here because I want to serve God. I'm here because, because I, I want to, to glorify God. Or, I'm here because I had nothing better to do today. Or, I'm here because all of my friends are here. Or, I'm here because, you know, uh, the preacher is really good. And he plays a mean acoustic guitar, and I love listening to it. <laughs> Whatever the reasons are, I want you to know, I want you here. Okay? I want you here. And I know that everybody is on a journey and everybody is processing this, this whole gospel thing. And I know that God is the one who's, who's in charge of the results. And God's in the one in charge. He's the one in charge of salvation. And He's the one who's doling out grace. And He's the one convicting of sins. I know that that's not me. But I want you to just think right now, right in this moment... Could you give yourself over to, to a better reason for being here? Could you, could you make a change in your mind and in, and in your attitude about being here to where this becomes more of a priority? That studying Scripture for yourself so that you can know it for yourself and you can decide for yourself whether or not this is what, what your life, what you desire your life to amount to. The life of a Christian. Not just because you've always been a Christian, which that's not, that's not possible, but, or not because you've always gone to this church, but why are you here? Make this count. Don't, don't make the mistake of believing that just because you've been a faithful church member that God's going to give you credit for that on judgment. I know that whenever I was your age... Um, it was hard for me to see like into the future and, and to really think about um, like long term stuff, you know. Like and and I remember like hearing sermons like this to where to where the preacher was asking me to think about s- stuff that that you know I normally didn't think about and to do things that I normally didn't do. And I'll just be honest with you, I, I wasn't very good at responding well. You know, I wasn't very good at at um, daily devotion and, and always being here for the right reason. We had a lot of really cute girls in our youth group, and so a lot of times that's why I came, you know. And, and we, we, would, we would have lock-ins, and, and we would go to camp, and we would go to concerts and go out to eat and stuff like that. And that's why I came, and God used that. But there came a point in time to where, to where you know, I became an adult, and I got out of the youth group, and I had to make a decision, why, am I going to keep, keep up with this? And if so, for what reason? So that's kind of all I'm saying is that, that you know, this is not something that you can play with your entire life without making a decision, without giving it fully over to God and making a commitment at some point. I mean, you can live your whole life like that and, and, and pretty much waste it. Waste it. Come to the end of your life with nothing left to say, but I've wasted it. Because I didn't take the Lord seriously. I didn't take His gospel seriously. I made His church into a social club and I wasted it. Guys, don't waste it. You're young. You have an opportunity to to make a decision at this point in your life. 
And the good news is, is God is patient and He's gracious and He's kind and, and He's going to put people in your life along the way that will help you to reinforce this decision that you've made. <coughs> okay? So tonight, I want you to, to feel free to come and talk to me. I'm, I'm ending kind of early tonight because if you, if you have anything that you want me to pray with you about from, from sin to a sick dog at home, I'm here for you. Okay? I'm serious about that. Sick dog at home. That needs prayer. Alright? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love You, Lord. I thank You, God, for Your goodness. I praise You, Lord, for um, working here tonight and, and being with us. Lord, I thank You for these students. And God, I just ask You, Father, that You will bless them, bless Your Word in their hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.